In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light to you are both alike. Psalm 139.11 How awesome to have a God who can see in the dark as well as he can see in the light. Though for my children that wasn't always such a great idea because it really brought home to them the absolute truth that nothing can be hidden from the Lord. And what about thoughts? The Catholic teaching that even thinking about doing something wrong is a sin. I don't go that far. Thinking about it boils down to temptation. Resisting temptation is the strengthener and what matters. A powerful God ours, where darkness and light to you are both alike. One small step towards understanding timelessness. Good afternoon and welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I have a great show for you today. We're going to be looking at the remodeling unit we introduced into our homeschool curriculum and my attempts at being more flexible. A legal contract my oldest son had some questions about and some of the zany things my youngest, the blonde, has been up to. Amanda van der Gulik will be my guest. She's going to enlighten us about parental money trees, among other things. So grab your tea and sit down. Well, the weather warmed up. It's going to be about 80 over the weekend. Can you believe that? Last week freezing, this week 80. Anyway, it spurred some human activity at my garden. The pool got several doses of shock to bring it back to life, or rather, should I say, to kill the life that was thriving ever so greenly on its walls and steps. Uh, Some branches were lobbed off some of our taller trees that shade our outdoors to encourage grass growth, I'm told. That hasn't occurred in certain areas of our lawn for a decade or so. It's amazing how massive trees get when left to their own devices. Through it all, the possum came regularly to drink from our pool. The vulture circled. Dead squirrels? Let's hope so. And I saw a pair of young hawks who look as though they've taken up residence in the back 40. Maybe there's some squirrel predators. My new study happens to be right next door to my youngest daughter's room. She's hardly ever home during my study hours, so I'm really disturbed by her continuous flow of music and the beeping of text and email alerts. Having said that, the other afternoon we did happen to be simultaneously occupying our respective private areas, and I could hear her talking to someone next door answering questions and getting affirmatives. So I presumed she was Skyping a friend. I called through the wall to her. The trip down the short hallway takes too much effort. And it turns out that what she was doing was her study guide for her biology class. I thought nothing more than for technology these days. It's set up so that she can interact. Malia, however, must have thought a lot about it because it intrigued her. And she asked her professor in class yesterday, 
how she did that on her review. Did what, her professor said. Answered my questions and responses while I was doing the review. That was an online discussion class that I recorded and posted. The other students around Malia were growing amused. Malia said, but you were answering my questions. Then she realised that she'd been sitting in her room talking to her computer, rather like those embarrassing moments when you start talking to an answering machine because it sounds as if your friend has actually picked up the phone. We laughed. Fodder for my show, I promised. And uh, before we leave Malia, a sweet little Valentine tale. She took lunch over to her sweetheart on Monday because she had rehearsal that night. A custom-made heart-shaped pizza, ah, with Caesar salad, lovingly hand-dipped chocolate strawberries, and a cranberry lemonade sparkling drink. She carefully wrote his, wrote his card, and then I heard her scream. I ran from my study and collided with her in the short hallway. I just did something so embarrassing, I don't want to talk about it. She then proceeded to talk about it. I spelt his name wrong on the envelope. I ask you, four letters, and she gets the one vowel wrong. I suggested she disguise it as a heart. That worked. And the lunch? A huge success, but not very romantic. They were joined by roommates who trickled in, and later by mum. I wondered why she hadn't called us over to enjoy the party too. It's time for my book excerpt, the conclusion of the chapter Warming Up to Flexibility. My homeschool's beginning to look like a construction site, and I find that I really don't mind. I must say that at this juncture in my educating career, my children are all pretty independent and immensely enjoyable dwelling companions. So far, we've raised down-to-earth individuals, not precocious fashion model wannabes or expensive fast car posers. I wasn't completely ignorant of the outside world with its attendant gun-carrying youth and teenage parents. On the island of Wildflower Academy, we continued to focus on unique learning abilities, and I persisted in my philosophy that as long as I could get them away from their school desks and outside, they'd forget they were at a learning institution. I was reminded that in the early years they had miraculously absorbed their math, geography, history or Latin facts quite effortlessly while primarily engaged in something that they really enjoyed doing. Ian had learned best when putting together a puzzle or simply lying on the floor wriggling like an excited worm and Simon had memorised all his math facts while mastering his bike without training wheels. Paris had loved lying down to learn and Malia had to be doing something with her hands. It was up to me to ferret out the best way to impart information and have it stick now that we had a couple of high school students, though I never really thought of them in grade school, middle or high school language. They were getting older and methods had to be modified according to the times. Since I knew each child, I was able to relax and take the changes a divergent family demanded in my stride. Coincidentally, and remember who our principal is, lots of practical projects took place in our house this year, and the learning went on uninterrupted in a structural and satisfying way. It was summer 2002. We took up the carpet in the main living room and master bedroom. After deciding that all the floor coverings available to us were cost prohibitive, we decided to keep this remarkably clean concrete. So the six of us got down on our hands and knees and used that age-old cleaner elbow grease, removing paint and glue, carpet tacks and baseboards, and prepared the floor for the staining. During the week and a bit this took, the children learned practical math, surface area, and calculated how much stain was needed to do the job. 
They also applied basic first aid skills when removing carpet tags painlessly from delicate animal pads. And we thought cats were curious. The dog got into everything too. We bought wax and rented a buffer to finish off the dry floor. And then we moved everything back into the rooms, which were beginning to look vast and spacious and rather attractive. Outside, we assisted in the felling of a 16-year-old peach tree, which taught the professional tree experts a valuable lesson. Never presume a peach tree is a small fruit tree, especially when it belongs to a family who believe in letting the outdoors take its natural course and get a little wild at times. They had never seen such a great peach tree before. Neither had we and wondered if it yielded giant peaches, but not ours. We observed and took notes, made iced tea and lemonade while a foundation was laid for an office adjacent to our bedroom where the now felled peach tree used to stand. We discovered that one didn't have to speak English to be able to calculate how many yards of cement were needed to complete the job to code. We built an office on the concrete slab and incredulously learned that the roof goes on first. Many lessons were conducted in electricity and wiring and the value of trial and error was instilled. Well into our second semester, we began the task of converting the upstairs play space, come loft, into two bedrooms and a bathroom. We discovered that we hoarded a lot of important things and that now was the time to let go and get rid of them. We also applied scientific methods to amazing feats of organisation, like fitting a room full of puzzles and toys into a cupboard that had high shelves and even higher ceilings. I compared it to bees swarming over large areas while the temperatures were high and then huddling together in the hive during the cold months of winter. Our puzzles and toys huddled together during both summer and winter. We looked at surface area and volume with new eyes. Suddenly we were putting up walls with wood and then covering them with sheetrock and then mudding them with some kind of grey paste. We sang songs together while we mudded and memorised lines while painting new walls. Then we had the pleasure of moving the girls upstairs into their exclusive spaces and separating the boys into their own rooms. Now everyone except mum and dad had their own room. They'd made it into teenagehood and were happy with the new sleeping and living arrangements. We still maintained an internet-free house and there was no phone access in the bedrooms. In addition to the home reconstruction came a new business. We, the family comprised of mum with four helpers, were given the job of packing and distributing artwork across America and the world. Our headmaster had taken on the job of managing an artist and sculptor, and three or four times a year a new piece of artwork was released. The full consignment was shipped directly to our house from the Italian foundry, or art studio of origin, and it was here where we filled the galleries and dealers' orders from the length of our dining room table. En famille, we rolled, packed, secured and addressed hundreds of lithographs to art galleries around the world. After three weeks of frenzied distribution, we'd transport the remains to a local warehouse for organised storage in a climate-controlled environment. We were learning about sales and quality control, how to speak to customers and take orders, how to keep inventory and manage QuickBooks. We were learning how to work as a team. With the academic year drawing to a close, we made arrangements to bless our new house on the Saturday before Easter. This beautiful service was conducted by one of our priest friends who composed special prayers for each room, unique for the occupant, personal and true. No wonder none of our children want to leave home yet. When I looked back on the year from the viewpoint of their teacher, I was astounded to see that the children had covered as much ground as usual. They just hadn't noticed. The mandatory math and science had to be completed faster if they wanted to participate in the more interesting practical stuff that was going on around them. Although we felt we'd given up on schedules and routines, they'd not given up on us. 
we had different priorities. We learned how to say no, to modify, to value, to follow through, to broaden our minds. We still showed up where we promised to be on time. We were still committed to our relationships and academically work was still on track. We were contributing members of society and not desk bound. And I need to go on a short break. So join me um, for the conclusion of this chapter in just a few moments. toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Larry's mother was right all those years ago. Although it's not bad to have a routine, it is good to be flexible. This year was a trailblazer for me. We'd not failed as a school. I'd struggled for 17 years to hold on to the regimen I'd been bequeathed, and it was not until now that I appreciated the amount of ground I'd lost to flexibility. Praise the Lord. When Ian was first born, I was terrified that if I let him miss his morning nap or go to bed just late just once, the break in his schedule would never be repaired. It took me eight years of homeschooling to understand that routines, once established and adhered to, are pretty solid, rather like core values. With all the practical stuff behind us, I thought this may be a good time to return to the local association support group to see what they had to offer for high schoolers. I really don't define my children by grade. 
Well, my guest this week is Amanda Van de Gulik, a wealth mentality coach who loves teaching children about money. A homeschooler herself, she's written several home study courses for parents, children, and teens. Amanda has recently returned from teaching her geography and social science lessons on board a cruise ship, thus proving once again that homeschoolers are not chained to the kitchen table. Good afternoon, Amanda. Welcome to my show this afternoon. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Amanda, one of the first questions I would, would like to ask you is, are you in Canada? I am. I am in Canada right now. All right. Um, so you've got two children that you homeschool. Could you tell me their ages? Yes. Nancy is almost nine and Quinn just turned seven. Okay. So you've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And do you refer to them in their school grade ages? <laughs> no, it's so funny. Every time somebody says to them, so what grade are you in? We always have to sort of quickly calculate. What would it be? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's what I That's what I used to do because I just don't. They'd say to me, but mom, you need to know what grade we're in. And I'm going, why? Exactly. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, so um, before we um, get really into um, some of your businesses that you're doing, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about homeschooling in um, Canada. And um, did you start homeschooling also? So in New Zealand? Yeah, we started in New Zealand. Okay, is that where you're from originally? I'm actually originally from Canada. Okay. And um, my husband's from Holland and the Caribbean, so of course we ended up in New Zealand. Seems logical enough, don't you think? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, tell me, what's New Zealand like? It is absolutely wonderful. You know what it's like? It's like a big puzzle. It's like taking Canada, the US, Europe, the Caribbean, squished all together, and you've got New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. And how long were you there? We have been living there since 2001. We're only temporarily in Canada. Okay, okay. So you really are, um, you know, sort of a, a homeschooler resident in New Zealand. Okay, yes, so that's, yes. That's interesting. Um, so how long are you in Canada and are you, you know, sort of, can you tell me a little bit about how homeschooling works in Canada or are you more um, savvy with how it works in New Zealand? Well, I've sort of gotten an idea for both um, countries. Okay. We are here for another year. We've been here on and off for about uh, almost three years. Okay. We've been traveling back and forth between New Zealand and Canada. Uh-huh. And um, in New Zealand, you have to apply to get permission to not send your children to school. Okay. The homeschooling setup in New Zealand is actually fantastic, besides the fact of the stress of having to apply for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Once you get that sorted, um, there's a huge, huge amount of support for homeschoolers. They've got a homeschooling support group throughout the whole country, and every small place has its own association. Everyone's very open-minded, mm-hmm. and so you can homeschool however suits you best and know that you have support regardless of whether people believe in your version of it or not. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. which is really Thanks. nice. In Canada, um, from what I believe, or from what I believe, or from what I've um, seen, is that there are homeschooling support groups, but more in the cities. And because I'm way out in the country, I have not really found anybody else around here who homeschools. And I've found that a little bit challenging. But on the other hand, you know, we get to have the freedom to travel and do things, and we just still do after-school hours curriculum, you know, or 
courses like dancing and bowling and art classes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they get to have fun with other kids that way. So we do miss our homeschooling support group in New Zealand because, I mean, we were busy with them all the time. We were doing mm-hmm. dance classes together, circus classes, swimming classes. Mm-hmm. We'd go on camps together. So homeschooling in New Zealand is definitely more rewarding as far as the support group goes. Mm-hmm. But in general, homeschooling, just being with your kids and, and seeing the world, I really can't complain. I love it. Um, so I I met somebody years ago who um, started homeschooling in Canada. She was Canadian. And she said that the support from the government and from the schools was just incredible, that if you needed to go in to use their libraries for um, resources or if you needed to use their science labs or whatever, that they just, you know, they were very welcoming. Yeah, and that, that makes sense because the Canadian uh, yeah, population is very warm and welcoming and understanding. Mm-hmm. Because my kids are not technically Canadian homeschoolers, we haven't mm-hmm. really looked into that side of it because they are still set up as Kiwi homeschoolers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm sure that there is. I know that uh, the schools I used to work in <laughs> are definitely, uh, yeah, were telling me that lots of homeschoolers used to come in or they'd go out and visit their families and stuff like that. That's right, that's right. The teachers would go and ask and they, they weren't going just to nose around and make sure everything was fine. They were literally going to see if you needed help, how you were yeah. doing and how you were getting on so they weren't threatening. And so the the um, the whole kind of em- political environment with homeschooling seems completely different because I feel that in America it's almost as if we're taking away from the public schools and so we're viewed in a um, not openly hostilely but you know we we are viewed as you know sort of um not to be supported we can't go into the public schools we can't en- enroll and 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 do that kind of thing and uh i was surprised i was surprised when i heard about canada and and you're telling me about new zealand and i thought oh, that's so much more broad-minded <laughs> Yeah, well, in New Zealand, um, it's the same thing. We can use those schools if we have groups and we say, look, we'd love to use their art classes or whatever. They're really open-minded about that. Most schools in New Zealand have their own swimming pool, which as a North American was like, wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) So we can go in and use those. Um, But the main thing as well is that the government in New Zealand, if you stay there every year, which I have not yet done, they actually pay you um, an allowance to go towards material for your homeschooling, which is pretty cool because they see it as you're actually saving the government money by homeschooling and not putting your child in school. And I thought that's quite an interesting way of looking at it for them. Now, personally, I've never had this um, nice allowance because I haven't been in the country long enough to qualify for it. (laughs) Well, I believe that um, some of the states do the same thing here, but there are strings attached. You have to use the curriculum they designate. You have to do tests and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, homeschoolers have to look at that very carefully, how much freedom are they giving, they're giving up by taking money from, exactly. from the state. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of like a backhanded gift almost. Um, Another so, really quick um, um, point about the homeschool in New Zealand that I thought was quite interesting is we used to have ERO reviews, you know, where you'd have education review officers come out and make sure that your kids are doing all right um, scholastically. And after it was about 15 years of doing this and spending millions of dollars a year on these officers to go around and make sure that the homeschoolers were, you know, being schooled well enough, um, they realized that they'd not had one single case in 15 years where they had to send the children back to school. Any of the cases that they had where they, you know, the 
ministry would come in and say, look, your children need to go back to school, were always in the case where it was because of concerned family or neighbors who could see that that particular family were not giving their children enough attention or, you know, they were lacking in some way. So they noticed over 15 years that mm-hmm. all this money they'd been spending out was pretty much useless because all the people they ever sent them to were doing fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is really yeah. cool. So that took away a lot of stress for all the homeschoolers because having people come around and decide how you're doing is always a stressful situation. Oh, it is. It is because you you feel you feel as though, well, you know, whatever. If anybody watches you, kind of, uh, it's kind of nerve wracking. So yeah, and of course you choose to homeschool generally because you love your children and you want to educate them, not because you want to stuff them in a closet. So you know, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, so how did um, you decide to homeschool, Amanda? It was quite interesting, actually, because I knew I didn't want my kids in the public school system in New Zealand. Um, their, their spelling is, is quite interesting, to put it. Um, and that's just a minimal point. But that was, like, one of the things that I was like, hmm. And I just, I don't know, there was something, the way the public schools had gone didn't feel right to me. So I looked at alternatives. I didn't even know homeschooling was an alternative. And I came across the Montessori, and I thought, well, that's quite neat. I, I thought that was quite an interesting take on it. So I signed Santi up for that, because she had to sign her up when she was, like, two before they even get started. And by the time Santi was of age to start, the poor lady had been shut down because she had her certificate from France, which is kind of where Montessori comes from, but didn't have her New Zealand teaching certificate. And so they shut her down. Well, there was no other option. And it was my midwife who actually said to me, why don't you just teach her? And I said, you can do that? And as soon as you said that, I was like, wow, that is so cool, because I'd been assistant teaching for, for quite a few years as a teenager and young adult, and I just love teaching and being with my kids, so it was automatically like, yes, definitely. So that's how I got started. Hmm. Interesting. So and I'm, how did your um, family and friends feel about it when you told them you decided to homeschool? I'm sure a lot of people who are listening will have a similar experience where they're like, oh, okay, that's nice. So, (laughs) and then they go into all the questions, right? So what about the socialization? I don't know. Have you had the same, Vivian, that uh, people are always very concerned about how well socialized your children will be if they're not going to go to school? (laughs) Oh, I know. Don't you just have people that all of a sudden are so concerned about your children? You look at them and you go, well, you know, why? Why are you so concerned about? my children. I know, it's hilarious because if you look at them, how they are now compared to how I was when I was their age, they are so much more socialized than I ever was and I went to the traditional yeah, school. Exactly. <laughs> and um, But no, my, my friends and family my friends, generally speaking, were very supportive and enthusiastic about it. Family, on the other hand, especially my husband's um, parents, are Dutch. And in Holland, it's not even, you know, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think in Germany it's illegal, and in Holland it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they really thought, you know, and I remember one time we went on a trip with them, and my children were on a boat. We went sailing to the Virgin Islands on a catamaran with our family and we spoke Dutch the whole time my kids picked up a little bit of Dutch which was wonderful and at the end of the trip um, his dad sat us down and actually said you know I really need to talk to you because I can see your children are not coping well socially at all and so I looked at him and I said that's very interesting they've just been on a boat for one week with a language they don't understand and you're going to decide they're not socially sounding very well <laughs> I thought they'd done pretty darn good 
Well, for those of you just joining us, I'm talking to Amanda van der Gulik, who homeschools her two children wherever she happens to be. She's passionate (laughs) about empowering children and teens with life skills and money savvy and has several helpful websites that you can visit. And we're going on a short break now, so grab yourself a cup of tea and come back for more of my conversation with Amanda after these messages. toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mind Matters is the show that dares to ask what's on your mind. Take this opportunity to join Dr. Larry Ross, clinical psychologist and Joan Duhane, licensed clinical social worker, as they combined have over 50 years of experience in dealing with your mind. Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, only on Toginet Radio. Come learn with me as the show created as much for the host as the audience. Join host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central, on Toginet.com, as she invites you to get your boots on and walk through life's triumphs and troubles with her. Come learn with me as the beginning of a movement, a community filled with caring people who share information, allowing everyone to participate, gain, and grow. What works? What doesn't? Your host, Danny Walker, is a self-proclaimed student, not expert, and she'll share very candidly passions, perspectives, failures, her family's battle with illness, her restaurant inspirations to keep being a wife, parent, and more, all the while including industry experts, disease survivors, and guests to add to the mix. For more on Danny and her show, go to dannywalker.com, D-A-N-I-Walker.com. If you've ever searched high and low to find answers to sickness, disease, and debt, come learn with me, and let's get our questions answered together. Come learn with me with host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, I'm back. Can you hear me, Amanda? All right. Yes, you can hear me? Yeah. Yes, I okay. can hear you. All, All right. right. I see. Are you talking? Yeah, hello. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let me get on to um, one of the things that you really enjoy doing, and that's talking to children about money. And I went onto one of your websites, and I saw a very funny video that you had on there where you were asking the children a question about money. Will you tell us about that video? Oh, that was so much fun to do. That's actually a mixture of children from New Zealand and mm-hmm. children in Canada. And um, what I did is I asked the children, so where does money come from? How do your parents get money? Mm-hmm. And the answers were absolutely hilarious. Um, we'll have to give your viewers the uh, the address later on so they can watch it. But it's, it's, it's so funny because one of the little boys, his immediate reply was, mm, my dad buys money? From the money shop? 
Oh, so cute. And uh, and you'll see my own children are in there as well. I, my little boy was like, money comes out of the wall, chocolate money, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> so that no was your idea. son. Yeah. He was very oh, relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had teenagers, and that surprises you too, you know, where they're like, well, my dad goes to work, gets a job, pays me, <laughs> you know, and there's concept behind it. And it's it, it's like I say on my site, it's scary, you know, it's hilarious, but it's kind of scary, too, to think that this is how kids are thinking about money. Yeah, well, I think one one little boy was joking when he said, gamble, well, no, no, no. But <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that is a good way to get money, I suppose, uh, if, you, if you're lucky. Um, so tell us about your, um, yeah, tell us about um your um did you do a study guide or a study program on teaching children about money could you tell us about that yeah yeah what i've done is i i love working with children i've always worked with children and i love empowering kids and i also love being an entrepreneur and being able to travel with my kids and homeschool them so it kind of made sense to me to put the two together and just teach and empower kids through teaching them how to be financially independent so that they don't have to work really hard. And as a homeschooler, you'll appreciate this. You know, work really hard just to get a diploma mm-hmm. so that somebody else can then have you in their employ. Yes. You know, why not get them thinking creatively and what are they interested in? Let's see how we can make money out of this and maybe even leverage ourselves so that you can have other people working for you and then you have more time for your family. So, you know, there's different concepts. It was really neat. So I put together a course for parents teaching them how to teach their children these money lessons that I personally had learned over all of my years of being an entrepreneur, being a mother, and teaching children. And it's, it's turned into this fabulous course, and I've got all kinds of different um, tools. I know that my kids love to learn through storytelling, so I do a lot of the teaching through storytelling rather than just telling the kids what to do because nobody likes to be told what to do. So that's what I do with that. And then... Um, one of the things that I found, the biggest question I had from parents all the time was, well, okay, if I'm going to teach my kids about money, what about an allowance? Do I give my kids an allowance? And my first thought on that, being an entrepreneur myself, was like, well, no. <laughs> Help your child find their own money. But I realized that that is not going to work for everybody. It's kind of like with homeschooling, you know, where everybody's like, well, you have to do it this way or that way. Well, in the end, you really need to just go with what works for you personally with your family. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I got 25 different experts in the kids and money fields from around the world, and they each donated a chapter with their opinion. And that yeah. way the parents can go in and find what works for them and feel confident knowing some technical you know, expert out there agrees with them. Just to empower the parents, I found that really helpful. That's a wonderful idea, actually. You get other people to, um, you know, sort of give you valuable input for your for your book and um your books are online are they they are they are they're all electronic at the moment um i've been considering putting them into hard copy but right now the the world seems to be quite happy with being able to download things onto kindle have it quickly on their telephone Uh but i do want to get into hard copy because i think it's nice to sit down with a physical book in your hand i just haven't gotten to that spot yet and so do you pay do you charge for your books that they download onto Kindle? Some of them are free and yeah. some of them the courses I charge for, but I have a lot of different things that I give away for free like to get kids 
some ideas on how they can make their own money. I've got a book with 50 money-making ideas for kids and teens. So I give that one away for free. I want to, you know, give kids as much as they can get. Um, the allowance book that I told you about, I give that away to the parents for free as well on my website. So, um, And they just go to my website and just download them from the website. Um, the courses themselves are just, yeah, are courses for the parents with all kinds of tools, but you have to purchase in order to get into them. Because I, I didn't want it to just, you know how often when you get something for free, you're like, oh, yeah, and you put it in the back of your mind. I found the courses were too important, and I didn't want them to just be like, oh, yeah, I'll just chuck it in the back of my computer and then forget about it. If you pay for something, you get something out of it. So you know what I mean there, Vivian? That's right. I'm having your your um, voice is breaking up, so just keep talking if, if I don't come back to you. But um, oh, okay. I will... That's all right. <laughs> I'll ask you another question, though, now. You have a lot of websites, so you have a lot of um, businesses set up on each one of these. Web- well, I guess each one is a business. And is there yeah. a place that um, my listeners can go to, just one place that they can go to that's easy to remember, and then they can kind of um, link into these other websites that you have? Yeah. So one which one that is- would probably be nicest for your listeners is the page that you mentioned before where they get to see the children um, with the comments. And there's bonuses, like gifts on that page that they can download and then they can find what they want from there. And that is teachingchildrenaboutmoney.com. Okay, so, so that's, your main, that's, your, that's your main yeah. um, website. And from there you link to all your other ones because you've got, you've got a cake exactly. decorating one. And I was going through that and I'm going, wow, these cakes are just amazing. One of them was um, a bassinet, yeah, for a, for a newborn. And tell us what happened when you made that. You took it up to the hospital. Tell us the story behind yeah. that. <laughs> My poor friend who just had a baby, um, you know, she was presented this lovely cake of this three-dimensional bassinet. And before she got a chance to really even look at it, the midwives just swept it away and brought it all through all the hospitals so that everybody could see it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anybody listening, you need to go on and have a look at that cake. It's just incredible. So where do you come up with your ideas, or are you just really artistic and you just go, oh, well, I could do that out of a cake? How do you do that? <laughs> I just I needed a way to express myself creatively. And before I had kids, I would draw or I would sing or act, um, paint. Once I had my children, I found I wasn't having enough time outside the home to do those things. So I thought, well, I'll put all my artistic abilities into decorating cakes for people's birthdays instead and so do you start with like a basic um square cake or round cake and then you just kind of dig around in it and make a shape and then i don't know i don't know how you would even i don't even know where i would begin so <laughs> well they're all so different i really just want to find person is really into and then i just let my mind come up with this idea and i don't like doing anything the same way twice so i just before we got on the phone i've just finished making a lego cake for my son for his birthday party tomorrow uh-huh. and so this time i found i actually coated the whole cake in melted chocolate <laughs> oh that sounds good <laughs> so and, you, like and i suppose you're a dab ideas. hand with with that icing bag yeah. Yeah, you can do that. I can't. You see, I can't do that. It just doesn't work out. And I don't I suppose I don't have enough practice because I really don't think I can do it. So I don't even go there. I just kind of watch other people who can do it really easily and I go I just my kids just get a plain iced cake, but it's just as good. It tastes just as good. It doesn't matter. 
So That's I, I so think your funny. case well, is just wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I'm very honest with my um, with the ebooks when I bring out the cake decorating ebooks because I tell them all my mistakes and how I covered them up. Yes. <laughs> you know, don't let a mistake stop you. Just make something else out of it. That's right. <laughs> all right. So you do a lot of traveling, and I know you love to um, cruise. So yes. tell us about your cruises because I think you mix school and pleasure and business. Do you do all three of those things while you go on a cruise? We do. We go on a cruise every January with about 400 other internet marketers. So people are doing anything that you can possibly consider with selling information or physical products through the internet. And so what you're doing is you're we're, we're cruising with really happy, really excited, entrepreneurial, can-do attitude people for one week every year. And the kids are building these wonderful bonds with these other kids who have the attitude of, if you want something done, okay, let's figure out a way to make it happen rather than, Mom, you just give it to me, you know. <laughs> and I really enjoy it. So I almost just go on the cruise so that my kids can be a part of it even more than, than what I get out of it from a business perspective because we do masterminding sessions where we help each other with our businesses. We don't have any seminars. It's not like, a, you know, you're paying for a training or anything. We just simply get a cheaper rate on a cruise because we're a big group and we travel together and have fun and make long-lasting lifetime, yeah, lifetime relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really cool. And so um, a lot of people that um, go with you are internet let me have a look internet marketing people and that word marketing i think puts a lot of people off because I know. everybody goes <laughs> marketing oh i can't do marketing so i mean what what really does that mean it's just putting yourself out there i know but uh, it, it seems is, to be a lot of work i don't know it, it it really is like the word internet marketing would make you think like oh everybody on the boat is just interested in learning or rather maybe teaching how to you know market yourself but mm-hmm. it's not. It's people from everywhere. We have people with homeschooling websites, people with cake decorating, with real estate, with anything that you could possibly imagine. Maybe you like making creative toys out of toilet paper rolls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the idea of getting what you love, using the Internet as your platform, and creating a business income so that you can work from home and be with your kids is really what it comes down to. And so we get together to sort of mastermind and and swap ideas on, okay, you know, what would work better and how can you, you know, give your customers the best? Because we all, we you know, you know that the only businesses that ever succeed well are the ones who really care about their customers. If you don't care, Mm -hmm. people see straight through it and you're out of business. So there's, you know, it's got to be a win-win situation. And that's so wonderful Mm -hmm. that Cruise is the only people who go on it are those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, Amanda, um, we've come to the end of um, our time this afternoon. It seems to have flown by. Um, thank you so yeah. much for joining me. Um, I've been talking to Amanda van der Gulik. She talked about money, children, homeschooling, and her internet businesses. And you can visit her website at www.teachingchildrenaboutmoney.com. And from there, you can link to three other websites that I know of, and there may be more on there that I that aren't listed uh, to find out more about what she does and um, this woman has the most amazing cakes go on her cake website it's just amazing have a wonderful weekend Amanda and thank you so much for joining me this afternoon thank you Vivian bye
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on Toginat with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell Thursday nights at 10, 9 Central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell. Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. group this week, we got onto the topic of education. Surprise, surprise, there are three teachers in the group. Mostly, we were talking about the No Child Left Behind NCLB Act, which in a nutshell means each student is given the opportunity to become proficient and pass in math and reading, whether they can or not. One of my friends said she wished some children could be left behind, and we branched off to the education system in England. There were two of us Brits in the group, and we explained how we have technical schools where children can go once graduating from school at 16 if they want to. Otherwise, they go into the workforce or join the doll queue, a welfare program where the unemployed are handed money each week forever if they so desire. Some of them can't earn as much as they get on the doll, so why work? These are the folks who left school at 16, remember, who have no work ethic. But I digress. We're talking about technical schools, not welfare systems, and whether it would be okay to leave some children behind. One of my teacher friends has vocational programs at her school, cosmetology and soon-to-come car mechanics. She said that while she supports the program, what angers her is that her school test scores are still being considered with the magnet schools in the district. And, of course, because of the children her school attracts, the school's government funding is being affected. This led to another comment. It seems the system looks at itself, 
conducts an analysis, sees what doesn't work in practice and does more of it anyway. Our little conversation was backed up by an article I came across the following morning in my email. The author, Linda Dobson, was writing about the continuing growth of the homeschooling movement over the past 15 years and noted, on the other hand, that nothing much had changed on the public school front during that time, with the exception that what was once bad is now worse. In her article, Those Who Don't Learn From History, she notes... The National Center for Education Statistics reports that in the fall of 2009, 49.8 million children were enrolled in U.S. elementary and secondary schools with a 15 to 1 student-teacher ratio. We've watched goals toward that 2,000 morph into no child left behind with its legislative command that all kids should be proficient in reading and mathematics by 2014, which has now morphed into race to the top. With each evolution, the federal government took what isn't working, what has never worked, and added more of it. Just what my friends and I were saying at our writing group. With test scores as a measure of teachers' school district success, the entire focus of school is now on reading and math proficiency. I talked earlier about the hard time my son was having getting a secure job with his degree in film and the thinking outside of the box mentality nurtured by homeschoolers. No wonder. I came across another interesting woman last year, Diane Rabbit, a well-respected veteran of education history and former assistant secretary of education. Diane jumped out at me because of her book The Death and Life of the Great American School System, How Testing and Choice Are Undermining Education. She had once been a strong supporter of the No Child Left Behind Act, but now has come to see No Child Left Behind for what it is, a failure. Read her book to find out why. And I share Linda's observation that during our 15 plus years of homeschooling, vast advances have been made in technology. I, for one, was amazed when I realized that my 14-year-old daughter was living in a far different world to the one her oldest brother had inhabited a mere six years earlier. These technical advances have not made it into the public school classrooms, yet they've made it into many a homeschooler's basement and kitchen. Linda continues, and I quote, If the American schooling system has been unable to improve over the past 15 years in a time of relative economic plenty, immense technological advances and access to a world of knowledge, if not as close as the living room computer, then at least as close as the nearest library, it is not going to improve today, tomorrow or during the lifetime of any child living now. Indeed, I see a schooling system that has deteriorated to a point where it can no longer be maintained because it hasn't kept up with information technology it's also become totally obsolete and we're being told by those in the know to become self-sufficient in every aspect of our lives to prepare for an uncertain future every aspect that is except children's education Linda says, please think about adding consideration of homeschooling to your list of self-sufficiency practices. Providing your child a real education instead of schooling could enrich his life forever. In my positive thinking mode, I ask, what can I do about this? My goal is to encourage parents through this show and my website to consider homeschooling as a viable choice for their child's education. I'm further empowered by the fact that someone like Diane Ravitch sees the folly of an act she helped write and is speaking out about it. And we need more people like her and Miss Dobson. You'll find Miss Dobson's book, or Linda Dobson's book, I should say, The Art of Education, Reclaiming Your Family, Community and Self, available as an e-book. Go to my website. I'll have it listed on there. 
And this week, my oldest son, a filmmaker, started a job at a company called Real FX. That's real as in film reel. It lasts until sometime in July, so really has no security at all. Although there's always a chance with one foot in the door of getting a crack at a full time if something becomes available something becomes available so in true to ensure himself against further unemployment and loss of income he has come up with quite an entrepreneurial project he turned to his dad for legal help this cowboy of mine is quite the brain where contracts and non-disclosures are concerned the result of years of bitter experience i think And in true son form, he included his mother, that would be me, in the communication this week. And the email I received went something like this. Could you read this and then explain what the following may mean in the Queen's or the President's, depending on whether you're mum or dad, English? So in my ignorance and with absolute homeschool parental authority, I took a crack at answering his questions. He'd highlighted the clauses he'd had trouble with, and I thought... Why does legal language have to be so obscure? The first clause. Confidential information that is disclosed orally must be identified as such in writing within five days of disclosure. I'm thinking this means anything you say that you don't want repeated, tweeted, Facebooked, blogged, YouTubed, Tumblered or texted concerning this project or maybe anything at all that you say will have to be followed up with an email very quickly because word travels fast these days, telling them not to breathe a word because it's subject to the non-disclosure. And BTW fast means within five days of your slip of the tongue, which is too late by today's social networking speeds. So to avoid this possible faux pas, make sure everything you're going to say is already in the non-disclosure before or you sit down and have that cosy little matter. Next clause, not really a clause, a phrase, non-disclosure period. I'm thinking, a lot of that going on this afternoon, that this means how long before the secret is out and it's okay for it to be out. So how long do you think the project will take before it's up and running, a viable business? Days, months, years? This period can probably be changed if everything comes together smoothly and quickly before the time period is over. Clause number three in question. What does... This agreement may not be assigned by either party without the prior written consent of the other party mean. This definitely means only you can give permission to assign, turn over or give the agreement to another person. So if your friend loves the idea but can't run with it right now, but knows someone who can, he can't hand it over to his friend without your permission. The last clause was a sticky one. I had to look a word up in the dictionary. Estoppel but not before asking if it was a typo, which it isn't. In the Queen's English, it comes from the French to impede or stop up and broadly comes down to honouring a previous agreement. Here's the clause. Nothing herein shall be construed as a grant by an owner of any licence directly or by implication, estoppel or otherwise in any confidential information. And my son added a note to this one and I agreed with it 100%. I don't know what this statement says at all. Ha ha. But aren't the herein's wonderful? So I pondered and researched, and herein's what I came up with. This non-disclosure agreement is just that. A, hey, this is my idea. No leaks, no tweaks, no wikis. Would you like to help me develop it or not? If the answer is yes, it doesn't mean you now own part of the project. Just because you, the recipient, is clever enough to read and understand the jargon doesn't automatically entitle you to ownership. The end. That would need another legal contract. 
I mentioned that I had reading group or writing group actually this week, the first since our retreat in Mora, New Mexico last November. It seemed like a lifetime ago, but we'd met for dinners and book exchanges and stuff like that. And we spent an hour or so catching up. Then a favorite part of the evening rolled up our constructive criticism of each other's work. I love this because it gets the creative juices flowing and we can make suggestions and ask questions and scribble all over the papers and then hand them back for review and editing before final submission. And believe me, some of us do submit our work to publishers, but not I. It takes too long. I'm an essayist, so I don't really have an outlet for my work, or so I say. Perhaps all of it will one day come together in a memoir for my children. And on the subject of children, my blue-eyed cowboy and I are paving the way for our children to be able to clean our stuff really easily once we move on. My parents didn't seem to be hoarders, but the last time I went to London, I found several boxes full of things that I didn't want to throw away, but had no idea what else to do with them. That's how I am viewing the closet cleaning out campaign. If I can't digitize the memories, then the children aren't going to keep them. This week, we tackled the record and video cupboards underneath the entertainment cupboard. And were we ever surprised? There were some wonderful old albums that haven't been played for years. We dug out the record player. Yes, we still had one and took a memory down trip down memory lane. The Who, Proto Harem, Donna Summer. Abba, Kate Bush, Martin Briley, Jimi Hendrix, to name but a few. We tossed most of them away, gave them to Goodwill, actually, and made written notes for the artists so that when the time is right, we'll purchase them online to go straight onto our iPods when we eventually get one. Digital technology is great. I have all my photos on cunning little thumb drives or USB drives and lots of stuff stored on my hard drive. Nothing takes up any cupboard space these days. Videos went by the roadside, too. We don't even own a VHS player anymore. Our bedroom closet is next. Well, I've managed to rattle on for another whole hour and it's time for me to bid you farewell this week. We're off to Lindale on Sunday to visit Hubby's mom, and on Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to be Sandy Fowler's guest on her show Heartfelt Holidays and I'll be in the studios live to do this. So tune in and listen to me and Sandy chat it up about positive holiday cheer. For now, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff, at Togginet Radio, my guest Amanda van der Gulik, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, and St. John's's. Ali Lepreet, host of This Little Parent Stayed Home, is coming up next on Togginet Radio, so don't go away. Have a great weekend. May the Bye. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.